because we are starting our brand new series in the Gospel of John. I hope you have your Bibles here. I hope you have your pens here. I hope your, your hearts are open and ready to, uh, to receive. Uh, this is going to be an amazing study. The Gospel of John is an incredible account of the life of Jesus, written by one of his closest friends who walked with him for three years. And, and there's something so incredible about the Gospel of John. There's something so amazing. You know, Jesus said, you search the Scriptures because in them you think that you will find life. You know, some people open the Bible and they want to they wanna treat it like, a, like the, it's a hidden treasure map that you have to kind of work out, you know, like a code you have to figure out. And once you've figured out the code, then you're going to discover all the secrets to life. And you're going to be able to live this great life because you found a, a formula or a code in the Bible. And Jesus goes, you've got it wrong, guys. That's not what the Bible is about. He says, you search the scriptures because in them you think you'll find life. But these scriptures, they testify about me. You see, in the scriptures, it's not about a code. It's not about a formula. It's about a person called Jesus. That's what we get out of scripture. And that was the thing. I remember when I was 16 years old, I read the Bible through for the first time. And when I worked through the New Testament, I remember getting to the end of the New Testament and not necessarily being able to remember the specifics of what I had read, like all the verses and, and all the things. I wasn't able to memorize them. But there's one thing I remember. If I could, take, if I could summarize it in the one thing I got out of it, I felt like I could see Jesus a bit clearer. It felt like I had a better understanding of who Jesus is and what he had done for me on the cross. And that caused faith to rise up in my heart. So that is ultimately what the Gospels are about. It's about showing us who Jesus is. And this new series in the Gospel of John, I don't know exactly how long we're going to go through John for, but it's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. Our faith is going to be stirred. We're going to see more of Jesus. We're going to grow in our faith. And so I'm going to kick it off where you would kick it off. John 1, verse 1. You can turn there right now in your Bibles if you have them. And, and, and. If you can, get a notebook, get something that you can write notes down and bring it to church. Let's dive into this book and, and, and let's really become, uh, you know, just faithful stewards and students of the word uh, and, and, and God will do amazing things. So John 1 verse 1, I'm going to read the first 14 verses of uh, the first chapter of the book of John. It says this, he starts his book, his gospel, the same way that the Old Testament starts. John does this very intentionally, but he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That word in the Greek, overcome, means grasp. It's not able to snatch it away. It can't take it away. It can't, it can't break it down. It, the darkness cannot overcome this light that was in Jesus that came to be the life of men. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, talking about John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to be a witness about the light. Hey, that's the role of the church. That's the role of, of our lives in society. We are not the light, but we came to be a witness about the light, right? We came to share about Jesus. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of Christ. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. 
He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. We did not recognize Jesus. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, which includes us here this morning, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. God gave us the right. We had no right. We had no right to be his children. We had no right to be in his kingdom. We had no right to stand before God in relationship. But to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, Jesus. The word that was in the beginning through whom all things were made became flesh, and he dwelt amongst us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. What an incredibly powerful, emotional, stirring opening to the book of John. And John's got some stuff to say, and he can't wait to say it. He wants everybody to know. We're going to dive into this this morning. Let's just pray together. Jesus, we thank you so much for your presence here, that, that you're not far away. We're not talking about you as if you're not in the room. We know that you're here this morning. And when we talk about Jesus, the one who came to dwell amongst us, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who was there in the beginning and through whom all things were made, we know that you as the creator, as the father, as the son, as the spirit, you are present with us in this room right now as we speak. And we thank you, Jesus, that you're the one touching hearts and changing lives. We humble ourselves before your word as we go into the study, Father. We thank you that you would be the one who would just speak to our hearts so clearly, reveal things, Lord, we hadn't even prepared for. Show us more of Jesus. Inspire us that we may believe, Father. God, we give you all the glory this morning, Father. We honor you in this place, and we are grateful for your love. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Every now and again in life, um, something or someone comes along that changes your life completely. Something comes along that changes your life so completely that you almost can't imagine what your life was like before. Anybody got a, a few thoughts of, you know, just things that, 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 that came into your life, just a moment, and you knew that from this moment onwards, my life would never be the same. You're like, how did we do this before? Sometimes we do this with small things and other times with things that will change our lives completely. I know specifically sports highlights on, on, on catch-up, on, on, on demand is pretty amazing. I was like, how did I watch sport before? But that's not so important. What's more important is when people come into our lives and they change our lives completely. And we, we know from the moment we meet this person that we'll never be the same. Husbands, it's, it's Valentine's week. I'm going to give you a great opportunity here right now to score some points for Valentine's. If you are a husband, then won't you just look over at your wife lovingly right now and say, that's you. That's you. Come on, husbands, just do that real quick. Look over at your wife. Come on. Come on. If, if you're engaged, Matt, you better. Better real quick. Just look. I said, that's you. You changed my life. Wives, I'm going to give you the same opportunity right now in Valentine's week. Won't you look over at your husband as well lovingly and say, I know. I, I know, I know that's me, right? Certain moments where we know that our lives will never be the same. And we almost wonder, why did nobody tell me about this before? This is so incredible. This is so huge. Why did I not see this before? Why did I not know this before? 
And as John writes his book, as he starts his book, we recognize just from his words, just from the way he talks about Jesus, that his life was radically changed. John was a fisherman. And he was kind of in a dead-end fishing job with his dad and his brother. They were just making ends meet every week. And, 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 and John, where, where Jesus actually meets John, he's just busy mending nets. That was, that was what John's day was like. It was so ordinary, so mundane. Um, it, it looked like mending his nets in the morning and then maybe going out to buy some supplies, getting some bait or, or getting a few things that they need for the boat, making a few repairs. And maybe in the afternoon, he would take a nap. And then from the evening, they would go out and they would fish all night. And then the next morning they would mend the nets and he'd get some supplies and he would take a nap and he'd go out and they would fish all night. And that was the life of John. That was the the extent to which he was living his life. And I'm sure even though fishing could be fun at times, I'm pretty sure that once the novelty of being out on the boat and, and catching amazing fish wore off, I'm pretty sure that he faced certain times where he sat there and he was like, man, this is tedious. Man, this is a slog. This is just one day after the next. And, 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 and I wonder, I'm sure John, I can kind of imagine John sitting on the boat, just looking out into the darkness, just looking out into the stars as they sat there in the quiet ocean, just thinking to himself, I wonder if there is more to life. I wonder if there's more. I'm doing my job, I'm here with my dad, I'm here with my brother, we catch some fish, we sell it off at the market, we, we're making it, but isn't there more to life? Come on, how many of us have been in that position like John, where we're, we're doing the thing, the thing that we think was going to make us happy, we're chasing the career we thought was going to fulfill us, we, we, we have the relationship that we always thought would be the thing that would make us feel fulfilled, and yet we sit there and we look out into the darkness and we go, but isn't there more? Where's the meaning? Where's the substance? Where's the truth? Where's the fulfillment? Where's the satisfaction in this life? Where's, where's the excitement? Where's the adventure? And even the guys who become adventurous who decide that they're going to go ride hot air balloons in Kenya and jump off of cliffs somewhere in Spain into the ocean and, 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 and do all kinds of things. These people that chase the adventure and then even that becomes tedious. Where's the fulfillment in life, the fullness in life? Surely there has to be more than this nine to five life. I mean, for us, it's 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. For, for John, it was like 9 p.m. to 5 a.m., but it's still 9 to 5. And it's still tedious and unfulfilling. We know that John was raised as a Jew within Israel, and we know that he was a believer in God. He believed that there was a God and that the, you know, God was out there and that he had been taught since he was younger that God had created heaven and earth and and had done all these great miracles, but I can actually see John going, yes, I know God parted the Red Sea and I know God did that in the wilderness and I know God uh, caused these miraculous things to happen, but does God care about me sitting here on my boat in the middle of the sea? Does he care about me at a personal level? Is he interested in my life? And even though we can sometimes believe in God as the great God, yeah, yeah, we believe that God created the heaven and earth. We believe that Jesus died on the cross and that uh, certain miracles happen that we read about in the Bible, but you can still ask yourself the question. You can still not be convinced, convinced, 
does Jesus actually care about my life? About me? Personally? Intimately? My thoughts? My fears? My dreams? Does he care? And sometimes it just seems so impossible that he would care. I mean, John's going, hey, I'm mending nets for a living. I'm, I'm dragging in a couple of fish every night from the ocean. Like, why would God care? Why would God uh, think about my life? I, I'm not doing anything. I'm not a religious leader. I'm not affecting anybody's lives. I'm just trying to survive. Why would God care? And this is a thought that actually, it haunts us often. It's like the enemy brings this thought to us as, as the accuser of the brethren. It's like, why would God care about your life? Why would God care about your career? Why would God care about what you do for a living? Why would God care about your family or your relationships? Why would God care? You're just some guy mending his nets, working to provide for your family, going through the same routines, driving the same roads. But we're all hungry for something real. Am I right this morning? Come on, it's why as a church we want to be authentic because we don't want to play games up here. Come on, church is not producing about producing this slick production. We want something that's raw and real and, and authentic and something that, that expresses how God steps into our lives and does something genuine. Because we crave that. We crave something real, something dependable, something true. Where's the truth in life? The power, the love. And so I just imagine John sitting out in this boat as the waves gently rock the boat back and forth. The nets are out. They're waiting for the catch. The hours are passing by. He's just sitting quietly in one spot and he's thinking to himself, where is the life? Where is the fullness? Where is the fulfillment? Where is the light? And then one day, God sends his own son into this world. And that son, Jesus, comes walking along the beach. The very same beach where John and his brother James and their dad Zebedee, where they, are, where they have just landed their boat and they're, they're out there mending their nets again. And Jesus comes and he stops in front of John and he looks him in the eye and he says, John, I know you. Come and follow me. I know you. I know your life. I know what I'm going to do. I know the plans that I have for you. I know the, the miracles that I'm going to show you. You are going to witness things beyond your wildest dreams, John just come and follow me. Leave your nets, leave your boat, say goodbye to your dad. Let's go on an adventure. And in that moment, John knows it's one of those moments. I'm never gonna be the same. I'll never be the same from this moment. He, he, can, he, he can almost sense that this is gonna be a life-changing journey that Jesus is gonna take him on. He doesn't know to what extent. Isn't, it, isn't that true though in our lives? When we say yes to Jesus, we have no idea the miraculous things he's going to show us. We can be like, oh, yeah, I'll, you know, I kind of believe he died for me on the cross. I'm going to follow him. You don't have a clue yet of the absolutely wondrous and miraculous things that God is going to do through your life. That he is going to show you. That he is going to unfold before you. 
the manifold wisdom the Bible talks of, of, of Jesus that will be revealed to us. He comes and looks at John and he says, come and follow me. He speaks into our lives. He meets with us personally. And that's, that's why we're all here. We're not all here because we heard that there was a group that follows Jesus. And so we'd like to be a part of a group because being a part of groups is fun. We are here this morning because we believe that just like Jesus stopped before John, looked him in the eyes and says, John, I'm the creator. I'm the guy who made you. I have plans for your life. Come and follow me. In that same way, Jesus stands before you in your life. He says, I, I stand at the door and I knock. I knock at the door of your heart. Every single person, I'm knocking at the door of your heart. And if you would open for me, my father and I will come in and we will eat with you. We will spend time with you. We will hang out with you. We will abide with you. That's the invitation of Jesus for each of us individually. And so John gets this invitation. And over the next three years, he walks with Jesus. I mean... I would so love, have loved the opportunity, even though it was challenging and stretching and not always easy, to have been able to walk with Jesus in that way. John gets to walk with Jesus and see him who he is firsthand. I mean, you think you know a person. You don't know a person until you've lived with them. Then you know what they're like. You see what they're like in the morning. You see what they're like in different situations. You see what they're like under stress and under pressure and in good times and bad times. I mean, when you've, been, when you've been married and you've lived with somebody, you think you know somebody before you get married. When you get married, you realize you know nothing about anything. And, uh, and then you get married, and, and over time, you get to know a person. And for three years, John walks with Jesus. He sees firsthand uh, how Jesus operates, how he ministers, how he teaches. Just think about this for a moment. John sat with Jesus at the same table at the wedding in Canaan when Jesus turned water into wine. He was there at the table. When Jesus did that miracle, he experienced that, the first miracle of Jesus. He experienced it firsthand. He stood outside of the tomb of Lazarus. When Jesus called a man who had been dead for four days forth from the grave, and he watched a guy stumbling out, wrapped in grave clothes. John was standing right there watching this happen. Must have thought, I... I never thought I, this is a, every time he thought, I, I, I never thought I'd see something like this. Jesus just some, does something again that just blows him away completely. He was there in the boat in the middle of the night, looking out into the darkness again. Except this time, he sees a man walking on waves, walking on the water all the way to the boat, saying, Don't be afraid because that would be something quite scary to see. Don't be afraid. It's me. It's Jesus. He witnessed it. He saw the majesty and the power and the love of Jesus. And all the moments in between, all the times when Jesus was just having a quiet word with somebody or encouraging someone or praying or, or teaching or sitting at the table eating, he, he was there with Jesus and he witnessed him. And that's when John realized, during those three years, John realized that this is it. This is what his heart has been longing for. 
This, this is the, the, the adventure and the fulfillment and the substance and the truth and the, and the joy and the, and the satisfaction his heart had longed for all those nights out on the boat where now he walks with Jesus and he realizes this is, this man is the truth. He is the truth. He is the fulfillment of God in my life. He recognized the truth of who Jesus was. And you know what? It wasn't in a philosophy. It wasn't written down in a book or a, or a tradition uh, that had been passed down. Truth wasn't in any of those things. It was in a person called Jesus. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. You see, what he realized is that this man called Jesus was much more than a man. Much more than just a normal person with a great message. He was the Son of God. And that's what John wants you to know when he wrote down his gospel. That's the proclamation that John is making to the church as he writes his gospel. He wants you to know Jesus is God. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the life. He is the light, and in him is eternal life. He, he is so excited about this message. He believes it so fully that he doesn't want to waste any time in letting us know exactly who Jesus is. You know, the other gospels, they take some time. They, they start with a genealogy, and they deal with some historical events, and they work their way up to, wow, this is Jesus, and it's kind of like a book that ends. John is like, I'm not going to waste any time. It took me three years to find out who Jesus is, and I'm not going to spend more than three sentences telling you who he is. Jesus was, in the beginning, the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh that is Jesus and in him was the light that is the life of man I, I want you just to know that right from the start hey Jesus is God the creator of heaven and earth much more than just a man John loves Jesus he loves the truth that he discovered in Jesus Jesus is the creator of the of the universe and as we understand that right in the beginning of the book, he knew that he was going to tell all the stories of what Jesus had done. And this is what John is trying to get across. Just think about this for a moment. That it was the creator of the universe who sat at that table at the wedding, laughing with the guests and turning water into wine. It was the creator of of heaven and earth who sat with the woman at the well and had a conversation with a broken, lonely woman about fulfillment. It was the creator of heaven and earth who saw the people weeping outside of the tomb of Lazarus and wept with them. Jesus wept with them. It was the creator of heaven and earth who got onto the beach and made a fire after Peter had betrayed him. And when Peter saw him, was so excited to see Jesus alive that he dived into the sea and swam to shore. And Jesus said, hey, Peter, come and have breakfast with me. Bring some fish. Let's have breakfast. Breakfast with the creator. 
sitting at a table at a wedding with the creator. This is what John wants us to see, that the creator of the universe came to be present with us. Even this morning, that, that fact can pass us by. We can get so into the routine of church and, and, and sitting in a chair and listening to a song and, and, and kind of being passive throughout a whole service that we don't understand that this morning we meet with the Creator. When we speak about Jesus, we're not just talking about someone who once did something. We're talking about the Creator of heaven and earth who is here with us now today and is still acting on our behalf. I can imagine John's eyes welling up with tears every time he spoke about Jesus. Okay, that, that was the level of relationship that he, that he had was, with Jesus, was that, was that he, he, he would just become emotional. You see, some pastors are criers. I try not to be. But you know, sometimes when, when pastors get up and they start to speak about Jesus, or when, when people who know Jesus start to talk about him and they become emotional and teary-eyed, kind of how I imagine John would be, you know why it is? It's not just because what we're doing is emotional work. It's because we remember back as we're talking about the faithfulness of God, all of a sudden it hits you, those moments when, when God has been faithful to you and it's overwhelming. You're just like, man, nobody has ever shown that level of faithfulness to me. And, 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 and the love and the intimacy that you have with Jesus, it all just comes spilling forward, just like, Man, Jesus is amazing. He is so incredible. He is so faithful. And it, and it can move you. And I can imagine John just like being moved to tears every time he talks about Jesus. And he might be in the market somewhere or hanging out and, and, he, and he might hear someone over here, somebody saying, oh, you know that Jesus, you know, I, don't, I don't buy all that Jesus stuff. You know, Jesus, he was just a good teacher. We know he just lived a couple of years back, but he was probably just a good teacher. And I'm pretty sure the disciples stole his body and hid it somewhere else and just started telling everybody that he was raised from the dead. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and I can imagine John like overhearing that and being like, hey, 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 wait, wait a minute. Wait, you're not talking about my Jesus, are you? You're not talking about the one that I walked with. Let me tell you something. I am the one who walked with him for three years. I'm the one who saw the miracles he did. I'm the one who sat close to him as he's taught us, as his disciples. I heard his heart beat. I am the one who knows who Jesus is. And, 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 and you can't tell me that he wasn't real. I remember sitting with a friend at a golf course uh, during the, the halfway. You play nine holes and then you have something to eat. And we sat down in the halfway house having something to eat. And this friend of mine was looking at buying a second-hand car for his wife. And so we were discussing different cars uh, that he could potentially buy at a good price. And he mentioned uh, some of the early Land Rover, uh, the Freelanders. And uh, some of the early models had a few problems. So I'm like, yeah, you know, the Freelanders are great cars now, and they've, they're so amazing. But, but uh, you know, the early models... Uh, you know, you just got to watch out for these things. And I started to mention these things. And there was a lady there in the golf club who obviously is a passionate freelander driver because she interrupted our conversation. But she interrupted the conversation by cutting me out, by putting her back to me. So if, if Vayne understanding her, she literally went like this, hey, wait, wait, what is this guy saying to you? What is this guy saying? And, and, and I'm like, I'm just his friend. I'm just trying to... And she's like, no, let me tell, don't let him, is he a salesman? Don't let him sell you. Let me tell you, the Freelander is the best car ever. I drive one, it's amazing. And I'm going, no, no, I'm not, I'm his friend. We just, you know, and, 
And I can imagine John being like that. Like somebody's talking about Jesus not being the son of God and him just stepping in being like, hey, 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 what is this guy saying? He knows nothing. He knows nothing. I'm the one who walked with Jesus. I, you know, I've driven this car. I've been around. I know who this Jesus is. Don't even listen to him. Don't, you know, don't even listen. I, I can imagine John just being passionate in that way. Just being, hey, let, let me tell you who Jesus is. Let me tell you who Jesus is. You know, so many people have got ideas and opinions about who Jesus was. Time Magazine wants to tell us who Jesus was, and, and James Cameron wants to make a movie about who Jesus was, and, 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 and all the atheists have something to say about who the historical Jesus was. And John goes, hey, I'm the one who rested my head on his shoulder when we sat at the table. You all think you know Jesus. I know Jesus. Let me tell you who Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And in Him was light. And that light was the life of men. And that Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we, we beheld His glory. We saw Him. full of grace and truth. Keep your magazine covers, keep your, your TV shows, keep your ramblings. I know Jesus. I know Jesus. This is John. See, when, when we see Jesus the way that John saw him, when we experience his love and his mercy, there is nothing that will ever convince you otherwise again. History books are filled with Christians who have literally been tortured in order to deny Christ, burnt at the stake, fed to lions, ripped apart, every kind of torture our Christian faith has gone through, people have gone through, but once you've seen it, you can never deny it. Martin Luther, under trial for his preachings about the gospel of Jesus, and he says, this is what God showed me. He says this, here I stand, I can do no other. I can't talk about anything else. I can't pretend like I didn't experience the love of Jesus the way that I did. I can't pretend like I don't know the gospel the way that I do. God showed me something and it's true and I will never deny it. Once you, once you experience God in that way, like Paul writes, he says, I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded, persuaded. In fact, I, I, begin, I become emotional when I think about this Jesus because I'm so convinced of his truth and what he has done in my life. The other thing that happens when you see Jesus in this way is that it fundamentally changes the way you see yourself. It fundamentally changes the way you see yourself. And it's the same thing that happened with John. Five times in the book of John, he writes about himself in the third person. Five times he calls himself the one whom Jesus loved, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And we only find this out, you read it in verses like uh, John 13 and verse 23, when he says, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. And only later on, 
in like uh, John chapter number 20, does he say, and this one whom Jesus loved is the one who testifies about all these things. In other words, yeah, it's me, guys. I was talking about myself all along. I am the one who Jesus loved. He went from the guy who sits on the boat going through a mundane job, looking out into the sea, going, uh, I hope there's something more to life, to having a revelation of the love of God for him. And he goes, I am the one whom Jesus loved. That was the deepest level of his self-awareness. Hey, John, who are you? I'm the one that Jesus loves. I'm the one that Jesus loves. And regardless of what else might fall apart in my life and what people might say about me and what things I might go through and what tragedies may become me, here is the truth. I am still the one whom Jesus loves. When, when I pray over my babies at night, I don't, I don't pray and say, Jesus, we love you. I say that at times, but more than that, I say, Jesus, you love us. We thank you that you love us, that you love this boy that you love me, that you love our family. We'll go into this deeper as time goes on and we get deeper into the series because it's such a big theme within the book of John. But here's the point. Our love for God goes up and down. God's love for us, it never changes. It's dependable. It's bankable. It's consistent. So John has an answer to his question, does God care? Yeah. He does. About you. Personally, individually, he loves you. So he calls Jesus the word of God. And I want to just quickly mention why he says that Jesus is the word of God. Because especially in the Hebrew tra tradition, especially within Judaism, uh, the, the word of God is the truth of God. It's the creative power of God. It's, it's, it, it embodies who God is. Every word that comes out of his mouth is true. God is not a man that he would lie. If he opens his mouth to speak, he speaks truth only. And so he recognizes that Jesus is the embodiment of all of God's truth, that he came to, the Bible says, in Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily. So Jesus is the fullness of the truth. And for John, that the truth of God and the person of Jesus are so unified that he says, this is the word of God. It's the testimony of who God is. Jesus is like the autobiography of God. If God, we didn't know who God was. We, we had only ideas about God. And then God said, let me show you who I am. And he sent his son to die on a cross. This is who I am. In verse four, he says, in him, in Jesus was life and the life was the light of men. And we just come back to the fact that so many people are running from pillar to post, searching for life, searching for meaning, searching for fulfillment. And what John is ultimately saying is the reason why people are so unfulfilled is because they've been disconnected from their creator. Life is in him. It's not in anything else. It's not in the latest car that's just come out. It's, it's not in getting all fit and healthy and doing park runs on Sundays and feeling good about yourself. It, it's, it's not even in charity and doing good deeds. It, it, there is no life in those things. It's not in success. It's not in career. One of my favorite speakers is a guy, a guy called Charlie Mackesy who's, a, who's a, a, um, an artist in the UK. And, 
and, and he writes, he, he mentions this, this story where uh, him and another friend are both artists, and his one friend specifically really just made it big in the UK, just like, I mean, he's selling, he sold a painting for like a million pounds or something, and just, they're just getting ridiculous money for their work, and they've really made it in terms of art in, in the world, and he's an incredibly pragmatic, just, you know, blunt kind of guy, Charlie is, and, and I love following him on Twitter, it's so, so good, and, and, uh, and he says this, he says, um, he says he sat on the bed and he had a phone call from his friend, and he, and he just said to him, there's really nothing there, is there? We're making all this money, we've got all the success, we'll never need anything again, but it really is empty. He says it's like, it's like getting a ladder and climbing up to the top of the wall because you think at the top of that wall, your whole life will change and you get up there and there is nothing on top of the wall, but you spent all your years getting there. All your effort, all your energy, all your time and there's nothing there. You see, when we're disconnected from our creator, Nothing that we can do in our own selves will fulfill us. But when you're connected to Jesus, when, when the life that is in Him is in you, when you put your faith in Jesus, everything that you do can have purpose. Every single thing can be filled and saturated with the purpose of God. It gives meaning to our lives. What gives meaning is not the actions that we take, but the presence of Jesus in the actions that we take. That's what gives meaning to our lives. That's what it means to be truly fulfilled. In, John, in 1 John 5, verse 11, it shows us we, we're sitting, we're looking out in darkness. In the book of Matthew, I think, in the Gospel of Matthew, it says, those who sat in darkness have seen a great light. We're sitting just surrounded by darkness and, and not being fulfilled. And then God sends the light in Him was the life that is the light of men. And it says in 1 John 5, this is another book, a letter that John wrote. So this is not John's gospel, but his letter later on. 1 John 5 verse 11, he says, God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. In verse 12, he says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, to be reconnected with God, to receive the life of God. When the light comes, that's the moment when you know nothing will ever be the same again for you. When the light comes into your life, all of a sudden there is a, a light that shines on us. In Isaiah 60, it says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Arise and shine. If you ever wondered where that came from, it came from Isaiah 60. The Bible is so cool. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. We who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and the darkness could not comprehend it, could not overcome it, could not grasp it. When the light of Jesus shines into our lives, what happens is that all of a sudden we're able to see the truth from the lie. We're able to separate those things. Before, you can't separate. You're desperately trying to figure out what is true and what is not true, and you can't, you can't figure it out. But when Jesus' light shines into your life, 
You can separate truth from lie, life from death, reality from deception. And this is what it means when it says the darkness cannot overcome it. Once you've seen the truth, it doesn't matter what trials you face. It doesn't matter what, what temptations come your way. It doesn't matter how you may struggle with your own sinfulness in your own life and your own thoughts and your, 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 your own flaws. I wanna tell you this morning, if you've seen Jesus, if you've seen the light, the darkness cannot overcome you. It cannot overcome the light of Christ that is within you. Amen? Amen. It cannot defeat you. It cannot overtake you. Verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus brings us this life. And that's what John is, is say, that's why John is writing this book. If you wonder, why, why did John decide to sit down? I mean, he's, he's experienced the goodness of God, the life of God, the light of God, the fulfillment of God. And so he sits down and he writes this book and he, he tells of all the things Jesus had done. And right at the end in John chapter number 20 and verse 31, he says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples. We all saw it. We were all there. There's many other things. We have the miracles in the Bible, but he's like, at the end of it, he actually goes, there aren't actually enough books to write down all the stuff that Jesus did. So he goes, there are many uh, other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But why did he write this book? He says, but these are written so that you may believe. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have this life in his name. I'm writing this down. I'm telling you about Jesus, the creator, the, 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 the savior. I'm telling you about this Jesus so that your faith may be stirred and that you would believe and in believing that you would receive not just physical life, but eternal life, fulfillment, and satisfaction in God. So this is a great book. If you are a new believer, this is a great book for you. It's gonna show you who Jesus is. That's what we're gonna look at in this series, just who Jesus is, and, and, and it's gonna inspire us to believe. If, if you're an unbeliever here this morning, just stick with us. Because here's John going, hey, 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 I know Jesus. I know Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. And if you're a believer, this is going to raise the level of your faith to trust in Jesus, hopefully like you've never trusted in him before, where you truly recognize that the one that you meet with in your prayers and meet with in your, in your daily life is God Almighty. My prayer is that we will see Jesus more and more clearly and have more of that light, which is the life in us. By believing, by your faith, this life is ours. It's ours. In Jesus, it's ours. We have that light. We have that life. We walk in that truth. And we have Jesus on our side. Amen? Amen. Amen. So it's going to be a good series going forward. I want to encourage you to stick with us. 
bring friends. Let them hear about Jesus. Nothing. It's that moment. It's that moment for them where Jesus looks in their eyes and says, you'll never be the same. You're never going to be the same. I'm really looking forward to what God will reveal uh, in the days and and, and weeks that, that lie ahead. So let's just go ahead and thank him this morning.